Welcome to In the Gutter, a podcast that is all comics, all bangers, all the time, with story expert Lonnie Diane Rich and superhero scholar Joshua Unruh. One of the hosts has read almost no superhero comics, and the other has read almost all of them. We'll let you sort out which is which. And now, In the Gutter. Usually we open up with like a big conversational thing, but uh, I just got to hop right into the fact that we have a guest. We have a guest. I'm so excited that we have a special guest who I am very excited to have invited uh, on the show. Uh, Jean David Michel is the owner and founder of Megabrain Comics in Rhinebeck, which my good friend Elisa Quitney from the Endless Podcast has been to do signings. And that's how I found out about y'all. And then uh, then Jean and I started following each other on social media Absolutely loved him, loved his energy. Um, but let me finish with his bio, and then we're going to bring him on in. Uh, he started Mega Brain in 2009 as a publishing company that operated for three years before closing its doors. In 2016, Jean resurrected Mega Brain as a retail brand with eventual plans to reopen the publishing division. Jean feels that comic books are one of the most versatile and expressive mediums in the world today. Hard agree on that. Got to gotta go ahead and break out of the bio read to just put a rubber stamp on that. And that there is a comic book out there for everyone. Again, hard agree. He hopes to empower and connect people through comics as an educational tool and art form, as well as encourage literacy in those who may normally be averse to reading. I can't tell you that out of all the bios I've read in my life, that is one of my favorite. Welcome to the show, Jean-Michel. Or, I'm sorry. It's not, I don't know why I keep calling you Jean-Michel. Yeah, that's part. That's my name. Well, Thanks. Well, but it's your last name, though, right? Like, isn't it? It was like if I called him Joshua Unruh all the time. <laughs> yes, but I think because of uh, Basquiat, um, it's uh-huh. it's, yes. it's a very natural. It's uh, an association. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there are friends of mine from like junior high school that still to this day, when they talk to me, they're like, "Oh my god, John Michelle!" Like they they just see <laughs> my whole name. And um, it's I'm 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 good with it. Like I'm not a, all right. Not a bad guy to be associated with. Not bad at all. Well, I will take the note. And again, welcome you to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm like so. Uh, so now I need to gush about you guys because oh, sure. I'm like a... well, if you must. <laughs> so so i i have this very small um not small but like i have this very select group of podcasters that i Mm -hmm. listen to like no matter what it is they're talking about um Mm -hmm. just because i really like value and respect their opinions and everything that they're saying about story and once i started listening to endless your your podcast with elisa Mm -hmm. Like you quickly like rose through those ranks. I was like, who the hell is this lady? Why do I not know about her? And where else can I like hear her? Um, And then after we like connected on social media and you were like, hey, I have a comic book podcast. And I was like, what the fuck? So so I start listening to that. And then within five minutes of listening to that, I'm like, who the hell is Josh Unruh? And like, why have I never heard him before and and you like really it was like lsd like kind of opening my mind that like there's this whole other way for me to kind of consume and appreciate comics and like this really scholarly manner Mm -hmm. so i've been reading comic books very differently lately because i've been listening to the two of you so i i'm like insanely like just honored to be here so thank you. Oh, 
We're so excited to have you. And yes, Joshua does that for, I think, everybody who listens to him. Uh, We did a podcast, Listen Up A-Holes, about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he would bring in the comic book background on that. And I wasn't reading comics at that time. You know, I didn't really start reading comics until I did Sandman with Elisa. Um, And then uh, Joshua, you know, has been talking about these comics for so long. And I'm always like, well, that's some wild shit. But I never really got into it. And once I started (laughs) reading You're like, whatever, nerd. (laughs) (laughs) No, I appreciated it. It just was something that like I, I didn't have the access point for. And I think Neil gave me the access point through the Sandman. And now um, when I'm reading this stuff with Joshua and we are on his turf, the insight, <laughs> the understanding like that I'm able to get from him opens up a whole new vector of stories for me. And for that, like I'm I'm so excited and I love being the novice on the show. Like that is really fun. <laughs> Well, I so it's it's always interesting to me to like hear you talk about things that like you're not familiar with, whether it's this mm-hmm. or um or, well, not even not familiar with, but just um t- hearing you talk about like different forms of storytelling, mm-hmm. like whether it's um just like kind of straight prose storytelling or like hearing you talk about Buffy and things like that, like mm-hmm. it's it's really it's um it's almost validating at this point because with um so much of the internet constantly like shaking its fist at the wind when they watch something that they don't like and they're like i don't like it because they made a woman the lead or there's too many brown people in it that's why it sucked (laughs) and it's like no it sucked because the story was really weak but people mm-hmm. don't see that. They just see like, there's a girl. He's black. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's Yeah, and people don't understand that a lot. And I think that uh, you know, I mean, obviously, clearly like I'm I'm a wicked story nerd, you know, mm-hmm. so I love story in all of its forms. But if you understand that the problems are you know, I mean, like the the fact that people make those complaints is that they've really got to look inward for the source of the badness there. You know, um, but also like a story is a story is you know broken for a lot of reasons. But even a broken story can teach you interesting things. Even a broken story can be you know can be something that you can pull something from, and uh, that's what I love about working with Joshua, whose face is certainly turning red as we keep talking about how wonderful he is. Um, <laughs> Is that he really does bring that appreciation into like that appreciation and enthusiasm for like digging into that and understanding these stories into everything that he does. So I love working with him. Hey, Josh, how you doing today? Hey, I'm all this love at the beginning of the podcast. Doing terrific. Yeah, this is I as mentioned off mic, I crave external validation. So (laughs) it's a good day. Damn fine day. Well, all right, let's go ahead and get started talking about uh, Snowball Effect number five from the Patsy Walker Hellcat series that we have been reading. Going to be a fun conversation. (laughs) I'm not touching that. All right, in Snowball Effect number five, Patsy, Pete, the princess, and her father, the map, have a heart-to-heart while hanging from the side of a mountain. Pete turns the map back into a human being who is not the greatest dad, but recognizes that and starts to make some amends and even begins to build a relationship with his daughter. Maybe. It's a little fuzzy, even at the end. 
Everyone returns to the seven shamanic mothers and Patsy proceeds to set everyone straight. The mothers will let the princess go for the four years it takes to go to art school, and they'll really let her go, not send some superheroes after her when they get bored or annoyed. The princess will do art school and maybe try to synthesize her heritage with the modern world since she has to live in one and wants to live in the other. Pete will keep the mother's company and fix up their dump of a place. The map-turned dad and Patsy will return to civilization and resume their own crazy mixed-up lives, and everyone lives happily ever after. Except Patsy, who might be developing deeper mystical abilities. But she low-key hates people who do magic. Aw, nuts! <laughs> I love your summaries. All right, so this is the part where we come in with our overall responses. I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. Um, everybody who's been listening who's listening to this, hopefully listen to the first four episodes wherein uh, Joshua has opened up vulnerably his most beloved comic book character to me. And I have... Kind torn of her to him. shreds. <laughs> yeah, torn, torn her to shreds. I am very excited to hear what Jean has to say about this, but I also don't want to put him in the middle of a, of a violent family squabble. So, Jean, I would like you to tell me where you'd like to go. Would you like to give your response first, or would you like to wait until we both go? <laughs> oh, God. Mom, Dad. I just want to go to the playground. Um... It's so weird that somebody comes in and says that because every now and then when just beating up Patsy, that's how I feel. It's like, I just wanted to go to the playground. Just kidding. It's all been very pleasant and respectful and has maybe made me uncomfortable with what Patsy says about me as a person. Well, okay. So I I feel like I fall squarely in the middle of the two of you. All right. Because truth be told, when you, you gave me a choice of which comic book uh, I could read yes. and, and and discuss with you guys. And the thing is, I really have never known that much about Patsy Walker. Um, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I knew more about the Patsy Walker of the Daredevil TV show, which I knew was like mm -hmm. wholly different than the comic book character. But mm -hmm. I've always loved, like, I love her costume. And part of yes. comics being a visual medium. It's a good outfit. She's one of those characters that every time I saw her, I was like, oh my God, she looks like the coolest, you know, superhero. So when you gave me this opportunity, I was like, oh, perfect. Now I have an excuse to learn about Patsy. And then, so I read the entire uh, trade. Oh, the um, whole thing. Yeah. So, because I love, I also love the Eminens. I love, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love um, comic book couple, like creator couples, like Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick. And, and so I, st I started reading this because I love his art. Um, the, the little bits of her writing that I've read, I always love that. And I was confused. <laughs> so. I really had no idea what Patsy's power set was. I thought going into this that she would be a very kind of daredevil-y, agility, like, kind, you know, like, I mean, Catwoman-y kind of person. And then I'm like, wait, where, like, where's all this magic and mysticism coming from? Which is like, that's my bag. I love that stuff. And... And I was just so confused about like, is this really her powers or is this just like 
magical stuff around her. So by the time I got to the the issue that we're discussing today, I was like, okay, so I think she's got some magic, like she's got these magic based powers. Um, so now we're going into this realm of magic. So this should be like, this should be the issue. Like this should be the story arc that I'm going to adore. But the, the confusion came with i guess the kind of the the lack of um rules and laws of magic which when i'm thrown into a story about magic and mysticism like one of the things i love doing even if it's just briefly is just to like kind of luxuriate and how does the magic work here and how do the characters magical powers work but i kind of didn't get that from this one i kind of i had to figure out as i as i went along because it's like this kind of breakneck speed um which also at times felt like the i don't know (laughs) i don't know if you guys remember like um or ever read bloom county like in you know the Uh comic strip Mm -hmm. it had these like um kind of really great strange story arcs that sometimes were just completely kooky and very like almost looney tunesy but the pace it was like you read a strip and then the next day you'd read the next one and there was like a lot of stuff that happened in between them that he never really (laughs) told you about but you just kind of had to figure it out and just keep moving and that's that's how i felt with this which was totally fine i just wish i think when we get to um the the sh- uh, shamanic mothers the set the seven women i feel like i would have felt um less confused if we were able to take a beat and just sort of meet them and find out like who each of them are in this place even if it's like three panels just like here's the mothers this is what they look like this is what each of their personalities is like now let's get back to the action that would i feel like that would have done it for me but i feel like it was just like moving so fast up until the end i was like what happened and then i went back and then i reread <laughs> it so that i could like figure out what happened you know sorry that was a lot no thank you i absolutely love it um and i really appreciate all that feedback which i will incorporate into my feedback but i, I want to hear from josh now because josh Josh super loves it. Yeah, that's it. No, that's it. I'm easy. That's it. I super love it. Like, I super love it. Patsy solves everybody's problems, you know. She does it in the, the same way she's done everything. Straightforwardly. Uh-huh. Telling them uh-huh. what's up, you know. Uh, this is the, and this was some of the stuff that I felt might shine a positive light backwards. Because mm-hmm. the fact that she's managing a bunch of entitled jerks by being an entitled jerk shows a certain level of uh, self-awareness. She is I Bugs feel. Bunny. Like, like yeah, she's, like she, she she's Bugs Bunny throughout this whole story. Yeah, she's just yes, yes. Oh uh, my god, little, she's a trickster god. She's a trickster goddess. Oh. She's a trickster god. Yeah. That gives me a little bit more access point, I think. Bugs and Bunny I think is that's a trickster the energy. Bugs Bunny is a trickster, yeah. Um, but I think that, that that's the that's the missing piece that I've been looking for with like the way Joshua talks about Patsy. 
is I think with with an appreciation for that high trickster energy. What do you think, Josh? Is that am I onto something with that? No, I, I mean that's yeah. I, I that is something I really like about her. It, the the fact yeah. that her that her trickster energy is sort of more straightforward and less oblique than than your mm-hmm. Lokis or your Bugs Bunnies because it's just like right. well this is nonsense punch, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, is is more more oblique, but no less clever. Like she's, it's always done yeah. with verve and with and with joy. And I think that that works uh, at sort of a psychological character level too, because mm-hmm. as discussed, boy has the universe thrown her a bunch of horrible business, and she's just yes. been like, oh, did you? Ha <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I was insanely popular in high school. I always wanted to be a superhero and everybody loves me. I'm, I'm also a little bit, I think, forgiving of her, um, kind of like, this is insane, uh, punch energy, you know, especially when she's doing it to like, you know, 15 year old girls (laughs) or, or random men that she just met that were kind enough to give her a ride. Um, (laughs) Like, I'm a little bit more forgiving of that because I think because of that, like, kind of Bugs Bunny energy, like that, there's something in her that she's like, oh, I know if I just do this, this will, like, kind of, you know, get this person out of my, you know, out of out of my orbit. But, you know, they're not they're not actually going to get hurt. Like, there's there's a part of her that that knows, like, all right, I'm going to throw this dude out of this Jeep. Um, and he's just going to be sitting there with like a sign, like Wiley coyote. That's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and whereas I feel like if she knew or, or if there was any chance that somebody could legitimately get hurt or killed or something like mm-hmm. that, I don't think she would approach a situation like that. Or at least that's what I get from her. Um, does that make sense? What do yeah. you think, Joshua? You know more about Patsy. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, whether whether that is her overall vibe, I think that's definitely a vibe, the vibe of this story. And yeah. it's one that she fits into. Like there's a lot of uh uh now now I'll have to do a lot of rereads with the with the trickster in mind, but off the cuff, like just um I would say that that makes a lot of sense, but the knob on the tricksterness gets turned up or turned down to sort of um, zero in on whatever other kind of story she's in, because obviously that's less appropriate in an Avengers story and even less appropriate when, you know, she and the son of Satan are doing an occult (laughs) detective agency. So (laughs) it's still there, but it just gets kind of like tuned down or tuned up as necessary. And this is definitely highly attuned to trickster nonsense Probably because she's in Wonderland or whatever. Yeah. Like she's in a place oh, where because the the you know, her natural energy combined with that place's scare quotes rules, you know <laughs> results in yeah, this. I, I think that um I've decided that I'm just not getting it. And I and and I wrote that before uh Jean started talking about it and the the trickster kind of element sort of came in and that feels like a key that might help me unlock a little bit of Patsy for myself. Um but like there and I was thinking as y'all were talking, like I'm like, let me look inward. Am I just not liking Patsy because she is a woman doing trickster shit? Whereas who do I love? 
Loki doing mm-hmm. trickster shit, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, um, but Loki's always the villain. Like Loki's always trying for chaos. Loki isn't presented as the hero, so I need to look inside my my own internalized misogyny and make sure that 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 I'm lining up appropriately and that I, I don't have some inner work to do because a lot of times I discover going through stories that I have some inner work to do, okay, and I feel but... like some of it may be that, yeah. Or is it possibly that Josh and I are just completely dazzled <laughs> and distracted? by the like amazing uh yellow mm-hmm. and blue costume that <laughs> are unable to see that she's awful. Look. The way that I love Loki, right? I mean, you know, like let's uh, let's just put it on the table. Maybe there's something <laughs> to that. Maybe there's something to that. Um but I do think that no matter what like my feelings are about Patsy as a character, I do think that this has probably been some of the most fun like both in the reading of it and in the artwork of it. I mean, good God, like, you know, I'm a girl. I got my girl stuff on. When I see that pink and that purple and that orange (laughs) flying around, I dig it. Like, I I like it. I like feeling that kind of feminized superhero energy Um, because a lot of times when we have, you know, your Black Widow and stuff like that, it's sort of, it's sort of a woman moving into a masculine super energy, Mm -hmm. superhero energy space. And I like that Patsy keeps it girly with no apologies, like with Mm -hmm. no like, oh, it's too girl. No, it's like, yeah, it's fucking girly and I will smack you into next week. Well, to to that Uh, point and to mm -hmm. Josh's point earlier, Earlier about how um, she's able to kind of like do all these things because of the the venue that she's in. Whereas if mm-hmm. she's in like the Avengers venue, it's like the tone and the spirit is very differently. That really feels very She-Hulk to me because mm-hmm. I've always loved uh-huh. She-Hulk since I was a kid. And when she's in her own um, kind of realm, she's. Mm-hmm a little bit wacky and you know she's talking to the you know to the reader and to the the creators um she's doing things that usually superhero like acting in ways that usually superheroes won't act but then drop her into an avengers story or a fantastic four story and all of that stuff it's not like they ignore it but they just kind of you know they they put it in a box and they're like okay we just really have to concentrate on the fact that Dr. Doom or Ultron is trying to blow up that school of children. So we're not going to, you know, pull out the box of silliness, you know? Um, And it's interesting that after this, like this did fine, but then we did not really hear much uh, from Patsy for a long run until she was in She-Hulk's book, where she was like one of the main supporting characters in She-Hulk's book. So, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, oh my god, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, uh the uh, yes. I think I am. Here's here's the good part of what Sean has brought me, which is I think <laughs> is that trickster energy, and I do think that it does not bother me as much that it's turned so high here like i was i was ready for it and the the world seems to let that play um the part that jean has given me that i have to reckon with is i would be a liar if i told you this was the first problematic redhead i had over committed to <laughs> so <laughs> some things to think about
Um, but let's go ahead and talk about something that I think we could probably all agree is really super great, which is this this like cover art and this interior art. Like the artwork on this, I think, is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. John, what did you think about the artwork? Uh, well, well, the covers are done by Stuart um, Stuart yeah. Iman, right. mm -hmm. yeah. which I yeah. just he could like I don't know he he could paint a, a piece of poop. <laughs> and and I would end up looking at it and be like, oh my god, there's some. I need to buy that. Like he mm -hmm. he's got this. You know what it is? It's a very um. Uh, there's something like a little Art Nouveau-y about like with a modern mm. twist to to his art, which I love. Um. Mm -hmm. So yeah, any any of his covers, like you know, I'm, I'm sign me up. I you know I'm in. Mm -hmm. And then the the interior art, I love it. I think. Uh, I, I don't remember. I think you guys maybe talked about this in the first episode, how there's sort of a different style for like kind of each different type of situation in this weird, <laughs> wacky mm -hmm. universe that she's uh, occupying. Um, and I love that because with the breakneck speed of the storytelling itself, it's a re like it feels like a really good shorthand for wait I don't know what just happened but oh wait but the art is a little different here so I think this is like some weird transition and then I'll like kind of go back like kind of reread what I just went through and then realize like oh oh this is happening right now so so I love I love that aspect the colors like the use of color in this story arc is just freaking amazing like there's some crazy um like gradient changes that offer um like kind of movement to certain um certain panels that like it really like m to the point where you can also hear sound like the sound that's supposed to be coming from whatever mm -hmm. you're looking at like i yeah i'm i am all in on the artwork of this i i, I love it I think it's just fantastic. That cover art, you know, we have Patsy like flying at the viewer. Her claws are out. She's got this grimace on her face, which isn't typical for Patsy. We see her kind of bouncing through life with that trickster grin most of the time, you know, and here she's got this grimace. Her red hair is flying back. There's this like radiated purple and blue background. Um, absolutely like love that cover art. Joshua, what did you think? Uh, yeah, no, I, I love this cover. Um, but I, I mean, I second everything that Jean said about Eminem, uh, great stuff. And mm -hmm. if I remember, if I remember correctly, uh, Eminem does the interior art on the other story in yeah. that, the collection. Yeah, like, he does. To mm -hmm. call back, I, I wanted to do this story, but it only is found in a collection that has another Patsy Walker story in it. Uh, the, mm -hmm. uh, girl who would be you or the girl who could be mm -hmm. you anyway. And I thought Eminem does the interiors on that and it's amazing. But it's very different. Like, I think it would be wrong for this story, you know, uh, because of that kind of like more, there's more hard edges and more grimaces, you know, in an imminent book uh, than, than here. So um, I like it better. This is my only complaint. I like it better when Eminem has to draw something that's actually happening in the book. So like when she was riding the wolf or when they were fighting Bessie or, oh, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, this is a pinup and it's beautiful. And don't, yeah. I'd be a liar if I told you I didn't put this on my wall, but you know, <laughs> I like it a little better when 
you know, it's at least, I, I want to see almost, it's like Rashomon. I want to see La Fuentes' version of fighting Bessie, and then mm-hmm. I want to see Eminem's version of fighting <laughs> Bessie. I will say. I love that. At, at, yeah, when it comes to, like, the action scenes, um, they're, I guess, a little bit more, like, frenetic and kinetic in, in this, whereas he has a much more like when it, when he does action it's much more comic booky and superhero which i lo- like um yeah yeah like you know it's just, it's just a more traditional straightforward superhero action yeah style from imminent for sure yeah 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 i mean you bring up the the kineticism and that's one of the things when i'm talking about the interior art um that i love about comic books in general but i think the very specific way that they bring in that kineticism in the interior art uh, la fuentes in this um the ways in which when you can almost feel that energy building up in patsy and then it explodes on on the page yeah. in these you know panels that are you know which i love the panels are you know not suddenly not like aligned they're like all these different angles mm-hmm. um we see like you know the the movement the gradient of color like all of that that energy on the page like that and it's one of those things that i think like generally in comics is probably one of my favorite things when when you're building up the tension in the story and then all of a sudden all of that energy just explodes out on the page in this wash of color and movement and it's miraculous the ways that these artists are able to do that um but i especially like love the way they do it here with patsy because i really feel not just the explosion of energy on the page but i feel the tension in that buildup. the mm-hmm, way that mm-hmm. they use yeah. those colors and then shift into like a greener color palette or a bluer color palette for the explosion of energy um and it really kind of not only gives that that movement and all of that but like the the colors of magic right like it feels like it's those colors those flavors of magic are changing as well in there and that's one of the amazing things about comics why i'm telling absolutely everybody i know to read comics like just get into them because everything that is available there is is it seems shallow it's so deep there's so much there and you really can't read a comic once you can't look at a page once you have to go back and do it again and do it again and every single time you're going to get more out of it you're going to go deeper in it's such an incredible experience i feel like your your mind would explode if you if you if and when you ever read um the the original story arcs that J.H. Williams uh, the third does on mm-hmm. Batwoman because Ooh, like yeah, you, yeah yeah you you read that right Josh oh like, yes yes what like what he does with comic book pa- he essentially says comic book panels what the fuck are those these are comic book panels and he <laughs> he he essentially creates like a new periodic element of comic book panels when he like made these stories. It is gorgeous and insane. And, and just, it's, he like, he changed the game a little bit. I think when he, Ooh, I love that. Yeah. There's, there's a few artists that have like, kind of, that kind of do that. Um, every now and again, like, um, Bill Sienkiewicz in the eighties. Oh yeah. He was yeah. one that like, I remember just being a kid picking up a, a new mutants comic and being like, what happened to the art? What is going on? What is this? And like at first, oh, kind of- that oh no, that's really interesting because I hadn't thought about this, but that he Sinkovich subverts the gutter 
Uh, oh, yeah. Because the gutter is actually part of the story. The gutter is where the demon bear lives. I forgot about that. That's right. So, oh, oh man. The, they, oh, damn it. Just when I think there's a space that's sacred and it's just for us, the reader, the, there's somebody out there who was like, oh, no, I can use the gutter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, sorry. I'm going to just try I love and it. unexpand my mind to come back to here because that yeah. was huge. Sorry, that was a tangent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love trust. We love tangents on this show. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and move into the, the story itself. Now, Jean, I had you read the whole arc. You yeah. read the whole, you have the, read the whole trade. I read man. the you whole did, trade. You went above and beyond. Well, like I said, I was like, who is Patsy yeah. Walker? I want to find yeah. out. And, and so, I, and uh, also it, finding this was not easy. Like I'm, I am yeah. a comic book retailer and I was like, oh, I'm just going to go on my little vendors websites mm -hmm. and get a copy for myself. And it's no longer in print. <laughs> wow. So yeah. I, I've had this one for a long time. Uh, I had to, uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I asked a group of comic retailers that I know from all over the the country and and continent actually and mm -hmm. uh friends of mine own a comic shop um called variant edition in in canada and they were like oh we actually have one copy of that if you want it so they sent it to me and that's how i got to read it oh that's wonderful awesome. yeah. i love it what what did you think about the snowball effect like the whole arc you're bringing you in on the last episode so we're gonna have to catch up with your thoughts on it um i do, so like i said i was i was the very first read through i was mm -hmm. very confused at a number of areas but i i just mm -hmm. kind of kept pushing through and i was like maybe it'll make sense at the end um and then when i finished i kind of went back and then on the second read through i kind of took my time a little bit more and and everything that i was confused about except for one single thing um kind of came to light and i was like oh oh that's what they're doing here and and i got to also like luxuriate more in the art because the art is doing so much of the um story lifting in in this that yeah, um yeah. that once i kind of did that i was like oh my god i oh my god i love that part and i love that part <laughs> um so overall i really enjoyed the arc so yeah so i kind of like luxuriated in the artwork uh, a lot more oh so i so the thing that uh i kind of realized and i was glad that i did read the first story arc in the trade yeah because if I had started cold on this, I feel like I would have been totally confused about who Patsy slash Hellcat is and like what she is able to do. Like that first story arc gave me a little bit of her history. Um, like, like really like a lot of her history from like back to her, like modeling days before like Marvel comics. Um, and and history on like who like who she is as a superhero and what she can do so that by the time i jumped into this i was able to use like a lot of context clues and be like oh okay i understand why she's able to do this or what she's doing here or what she's doing here um but if i came in cold i feel like i would have felt like a lot of people who just kind of watch avengers endgame without ever watching an mcu yeah. like movie yeah 
I I spent as as everyone remembers, I did a lot of uh, heavy lifting for Lonnie to bring her up to speed on the <laughs> yeah. character in the first episode. Um, but I had honestly not thought as hard about that uh, because in, in two thousand five. I believe is when this was hitting the stands. Yeah. I, I just didn't think about it. And now looking back, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they didn't bother to explain anything. Cause they were like, if anybody's buying a Hellcat book in 2005, <laughs> that, they yeah. already know that shit. <laughs> we don't need to waste that time. And the people who don't know are either going to get on the boat or get left behind. We yeah. just, who are we serving? If we do a bunch of backstory, <laughs> let's just go. There are um, no asterisks in this of like no. see see Avengers issue one thirty one, you know, or something like that. It's just like here's the story. Strap in. <laughs> Asterisk. See a union psychology book for what in the hell any of this means to you. Yeah. All right. So, Joshua, in, in this episode, or this issue of the story, this like final culminating issue, um, you know, we're opening up with you like hitting hard in your notes. You're like, game recognizes game. So, tell That's me what's right. going on there. Okay. The princess <laughs> remains a shitty entitled teenager. <laughs> and, uh, but, but Patsy, and I quote, recognizes her as a great kid with a lot of talent. But she's also, as I say, very entitled, doesn't really care much about the feelings of others. And in other words, Patsy sees that she and the princess have a lot in common. <laughs> but finally, she's at the end of this thing. She sees the right thing to do. She bulldozes ev over everyone to make sure that the right thing happens. She basically is like... Like a uh, Wu Wei, like she's doing a like a, a emotional Aikido on the princess. It's like, oh, oh, I know your style, the style of the kind of shitty entitled person who's the center of the universe. <laughs> so. Okay, now I like the princess. I will again say uh, I see entitlement in Patsy. I don't think I see as much entitlement in the princess. The princess is just all she's wanting. All she's asking for is, can I live my own life? You know, and the mothers, as we see when we get back, are super controlling. You know, so I mean, like everything that's going on here <laughs> is literally basically say, a domestic. Now yeah. we have to figure out a new way to lock you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And like, I, so I don't consider that, that doesn't seem entitled to me. I also think that, uh, that this is the princess's life and she is the one who knows about her lived experience and listening to that and understanding that. I think there's a space that could have been made for that. I want to say two things. First, <laughs> the mothers are not off the hook. See my next bullet point. We'll get to it in a moment. <laughs> But also, she's 15. Good point. Yeah. Now, and she's magic so, 15. Magic what? No, 15 is no, not regular she 15. She is standard 15. Is she literal with magic 15? Yeah, because she's the, the dad's been a stone map for 15 years. She says, mm -hmm. we could have had a whole life together. We could have had 15 years together, and oh, you had to hide right. out as a stone map. See, in my head, I'm I'm going through this thinking like, oh, they've been doing this for like the last thousand years or something. Yeah, but negatory. It, yeah, like she's literal fifteen. Okay, so she's, she's a minor. She's literal fifteen. 
Well, she's and, literal and the, 15, but she's also literal 15 with magic mothers, a stone map for a dad. <laughs> um, like, I think that there are different kinds of 15 years old. Nobody out there take that as an excuse to hit on a 15 year old. That is not what I'm talking about. But mm. and like, especially in storytelling and magic worlds and all of that kind of stuff. Like somebody, a character, maybe like literal 15 or like Buffy and Buffy the Vampire Slayer is literal 16 years old. But she's also coded in the story storytelling is much older and she also has experiences that that will emotionally age her to the point where we can see Buffy hooking up with a 240 year old <laughs> vampire and be like hey okay let's roll with it that's totally cool. um, you can see that you I can see that. that I can roll with that I can roll with that um, but so for all of that said like all of that argument about like the effects of magic and coding and all of that yes she is 15 but also like she has a legitimate complaint and she is the only one who is not bothering anybody she is there with Pete having a grand old time oh, she is not pete. going out into the world she's Poor not pete. breaking i know oh pete i love pete so much um and i think know, they're I like... in a gross codependent relationship but that's a separate conversation i i love that i love that take well let's let's talk about parenting let's get yeah, to let's, parenting let's, uh, I, uh, my final i have a final thought for the teenage business because oh, i am yes, gonna yes, own yes. i'm gonna own mm-hmm. a potential bias i have a literal 15 year old 15 year old yeah who does not I, I love them. They're very bright, often very insightful. They would not be the best person to ask about how to live their best life at this moment. Yes. Yeah. I... But they don't live in Patsy Walker world. I, I'm just I'm bring, I'm admitting my own biases. <laughs> I get it. I, I also but, have that bias too, Josh. Yeah. I yeah. I, I was sure, I was, yeah. I, I projected Diego on her a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, yeah, here's a here's an unlimited Doritos budget and some monster <laughs> energy drinks. I have now gifted you with your best life. Poof. <laughs> it's not running away with a Yeti, but it's not wise either. Yeah. Just, no, okay. no, I get it. Yeah. Parents. Parents. Yes. Okay, okay. So, even though the princess is a literal child... <laughs> The vibe of this story makes me think of this TikTok that I just saw. We're gonna. I'm not gonna recap it. Uh, it's gonna be in the show notes, or maybe. Well, I'll, I'm, I'll grab the. Audio I'll volunteer some audio, but because it's kind of long, and and I do think mm-hmm. the whole thing is worth it. There's not like one sort of magic moment, but the idea of it being basically that the economy between parents and adult children, the economy of your access to me. My parents' access to me as an adult child has been a box that says su- uh, "donation suggested." <laughs> right, but right, and a lot of the don- stuff, whatever bullshit they want into the the whole argument yeah. is that that you know here I am like the the cost of of access for parents to their children has been traditionally a su- suggestion box, a donation suggestion box, and the and they will stuff old gum in there. They will stuff right. sheets of paper that tell you how stupid you are and how you've ruined your life, how you ruined their vagina, whatever. Like it's a million things like that, right? You know that just the terrible things that parents say to children while still expecting that that's the price they pay to get access to that child. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I appreciate your extremely specific examples <laughs> of what par- adult parents might say to their, or what parents I might say to their adult mother. children. It is uh, possible I had a problematic yeah, mother. Yeah. What an yeah. incredibly specific and therefore almost certainly 100% factually true take. Um, <laughs> factually so, true take, right? So, uh, 
Uh, and we're now raising the price. You got to put some actual <laughs> kindness tokens in there, parents, yep. right? So there's a lot of that going on. The mothers are overbearing. They won't let her grow up her own way. In many ways, again, I can relate. Okay. <laughs> because there are parts of my child's life that are only for them to decide how to live as their best life while they're children. And then there are some parts where I have to be like, no, you know, hygiene. <laughs> Just as a bottom of the barrel, like, you know, low hanging fruit. Example. Why is so that I can, smell? <laughs> yeah. So I can relate very much with this tension both directions. Mm -hmm. But since I'm trying not to be this kind of parent with my own 15 year old as they grow into adulthood, I obviously side more with the princess there. <laughs> yeah, okay. I definitely, you know, I, I I get that if my 15-year-old had run off with a Yeti, I would be going after them. But also, like, their concern <laughs> yes. does not seem to be with the welfare of the princess. Their concern seems to me to be about this is the heir, this is the princess, this is our property. And it's that thing, like, when your concern is for the welfare of the child and you are honoring their autonomy as much as it doesn't harm them because they would make terrible choices given total freedom, right? You know, um, then, yeah, like, totally, totally get that. But, like, that's not the read that I'm getting from these parents. I'm getting this this TikTok read I, that I they are shoving all sorts of nonsense That's that. And that's kind of the the callback to what um, what I felt was missing, um, and I I feel like would have um, just slightly elevated the story a little bit more if when we first meet these moms, if we get some sense of I, I know they kind of sort of explain why we brought you here, Patsy, and what we want you to do, but they don't really. They just kind of say, like, there's this, you know, the princess, the heir, you need to go get her because she's been kidnapped. Like, maybe if we got some some sort of, um, we she needs to be here because, you know, on the seventh moon of the 700th year, like, she needs to take control of, you know, Flagablada. Um, but we don't like, we don't get any sort of explanation of why ever other than we just want you to do this. So I, so, so I kind I'll of feel like if we, if we had gotten a little bit of that, that would have helped. I think. I agree. Um, with, with a, with a little twist, because I do, I do think that we get their motivation very clearly but subtextually like there is there is an old world versus new world thing going on in this story that is subtextual but yeah. probably should have been textual. text yeah like i think sh the mothers are clearly i think it's very clear much more interested in their legacy than they are in her as a human being like who who she is in terms of who they are and who they have been you know uh, all these, I, I'm reading in, but I assume there's a bunch of shamanic mothers, you know, stretching all the way back to the beginning of uh, uh, humankind, right? Yeah. Um, just because of the the whole, like, the vibe that they give off, right? So I think that the fact that they are much more motivated by her as an extension of their legacy than her as a, as a unique individual is there. Like, uh, and I... But it's subtext. They they say a lot of things that make that almost text. But then when we get to the end and the princess is like, um, 
I have access to all of these abilities, this power and this knowledge, but I want to fuck off to art school. It's it's <laughs> it's the place where figuring out how to take your family's legacy with you into whatever you're going to do. Like that's really that synthesis is the point of what the princess does. But all of that stays really, really subtext when we might legitimately have been a lot better off if it had been made text. Yeah, I think so. I think that I do like the way it ends. I have to say like the ending I like, I like that everybody, you know, we have the big group hug, you know, we have the moms accepting that the kid wants to go to art school. We have Patsy somehow mending the relationship with this kid. And then Pete's going to hang out and take care of them. I like, and, I like you know, that Pete kind of like yeah. stays, stays in the village and is like, don't worry, I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's pretty good. I do. I mean, I love a happy ending. Right. And at the end, whether by hook or by crook, Patsy patsies her way around the place until everybody is, if not happy, satisfied, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, all's well that ends well, I guess, if we want to get all Shakespeare about it. I will say that the as I had uh, said earlier, there was still one single thing that I was left confused about that I never really understood. And it's the literal end. The conversation with Iron Man or uh, Irene Matroski or or whatever his alias is this time. And she sits there in costume. (laughs) Yeah. No secret identity protection necessary. And she's still like, shit, what situation am I in? I don't know. Deep Patsy default. But that that weird little last conversation with him where um, where she's like, oh, wait, I do know what you're thinking. Like, hey, it's magic on like, I don't understand that. I have I have this for you. I'm ready. I am ready with this. Uh, So when the princess is talking about how Patsy has magic potential. And Patsy's like, no, 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 no. I smell magic. I don't use magic. Uh, and the princess is like, you can say what you want, but you helped Pete. He never gets that big around me. Um, <laughs> which that, that which, line. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so the princess is saying you have actual potential to be a magic user. And I believe that perhaps spending all this time around all this other magic-y business may have sparked that and that Patsy is in fact reading Iron Man's mind. God help her. <laughs> that re- like <laughs> I that that makes total sense and I just I completely missed that breadcrumb. I mean yeah, I, I need say, Josh to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> one one thing that um I have appreciated now about all three of the series that that we've covered is that uh the the way that your hand is not held is different, but your hand mm-hmm. is not held all three times. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, Captain America has too much going on on the upfront to explain every little nuance of every character that shows up unless they're important enough to get an entire issue as a coda. You know, Grant Morrison has never bothered to explain one damn thing in their story ever. Or, he, he's or like, just if they do more mushrooms, you'll get it. Or when they do explain, it is like a page of somebody like giving an entire thing. And you're like, I have several more follow-up questions now. That didn't (laughs) really do what I was hoping. 
And then with this one, it's just like speed, speed, speed. You'll figure it out or you won't, you know. So I've really appreciated. It's a smart. It makes for a smart reader. I think. Jo- Jonathan Hickman is, I feel like, the total opposite of all of Jonathan Hickman is like, don't worry. Come here. Just get under my coat. I'm going to walk yeah. with you and I'm going to explain everything. And while I'm at it, I'm going to create a new language for you to understand, too. <laughs> and, and and he like kind of walks you into the sunset like of understanding <laughs> yeah 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 hickman has big ideas and then is like now let me open this clock <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and show you all the gears inside you guys are gonna love it yeah but we haven't done one of those here i mean i guess the captain america is a little in that uh, direction just because um, not to the it's a little expositiony. The, I mean, yeah. they're very yeah. efficient yeah. with it, but they do have it. Yeah, right. Which I right. think is really so yeah. so efficient. You could miss it, right? Yes. Which is a little mm-hmm. bit what we did with with JLA. Also, like uh, mm-hmm. there's no exposition, Lonnie. There's a page of exposition. You know, <laughs> um, and here and here we go again. Like the pieces are there, but I mean, also mm-hmm. you guys preparing for this podcast read it probably twice, maybe three times. I so don't. You know, don't take it too hard. I've read it several dozen times, and this was just the latest of one of those times. I love that. I love the way that you love Patsy Walker. Um, and I, I'm curious, though, Joshua, like you've had this whole time loving Patsy Walker. Loving Patsy Walker has been kind of your thing, right? Um, and now we've run into it with this critical read. And there are times where I look at stuff I love and I do a critical read and I'm like, oh, like Philadelphia Story is one of those experiences for me. Um, and then there are other times where I go with something I love and I go into it. It and I do a critical read of it, a critical analysis, and I end up loving it more. Where on that spectrum are you with Patsy Walker now, Josh? Oh, oh no, no, no. I can't. It would be impossible for me to love this story or Patsy Walker more than I already do. <laughs> what is more than infinity, I ask you? <laughs> However, well, good, yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some more subtle shades of appreciation. Uh, mixed in now where I realize that this might be my flavor of toxicity or as I say boy Josh you might want to rethink your life and problematic redheads so there's some more like nuance to my appreciation but what what is more when we are talking about the vast reaches of the cosmos that is my appreciation for Patsy well, Walker I really I love that I haven't ruined anything for you because no, that no, is no, no. kind of in my I'm not going to lie in my personal life more than once the phrase Lonnie ruins everything has been said <laughs> God, because yeah, yeah you know when you start hanging out with people who like just want to watch a movie right and then you're like well da, 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 and I'm like Ugh, you know I didn't see that now I can't unsee it and you've ruined this thing that I love so I'm really really glad that has not been the experience for you although Joshua this is not your first rodeo with me so you know you're, you're used to it <laughs> my skin is thick despite the size of my appreciation for Patsy I, I love that you love Patsy I, you know, your love for Patsy has definitely helped me ride this out because I take joy in your joy. Like I take joy in the people when people I love are feeling joy, when anybody's feeling joy. I love it. I partake in it. It's one of my favorite things. Um, It did take me a while. And one of the things that, you know, like as I've been going through this book, um, you know, like
like, I love, I love you, Joshua. You are my little baby brother. I adore you, you know, and you have loved Patsy Walker Hellcat. You've been telling me about this for years, about how this is your favorite, favorite, favorite superhero. And I come in and I want to love it. Like I wanted to love this so bad. Um, but I couldn't lie. You know, I couldn't be intellectually no, dishonest about my response, you know, and I wouldn't want to. Uh, because It'd also be obvious for you. to yeah. everyone I listening. Mean, you yeah. would be like, yeah. This Patsy Walker <laughs> person is super great. He's great. Wah, right. Wah. Yeah, right. No. So I'm, I'm always going to be honest. I would like to be honest without being a dick about it. That is usually the line that I like to ride. Um, but the thing is, is that it, it creates a really great opportunity to talk about the fact that every story is made for different people. Not every story is made for everyone, and it shouldn't be. That's that, a story that everyone likes, nobody loves, nobody feels passionate about, and there's no point, you know? Um, and so I really want to, like open up a space for anybody out there who has something that they love that maybe other people don't get is that it's like if you're in a 3d movie right and one of you has the glasses and one of you does not it's the same movie it has that value just only one of you can see it i clearly lack the patsy walker 3d glasses and i think that that is completely fine there is tons and tons and tons of stuff to love about these issues and you know what I will go back to them. I know I'm going to go back to them because I want to crack. I haven't quite cracked the trickster energy. Jean, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. The trickster energy that you brought into this, I was like, yes, that is definitely a big piece of that puzzle for me. Understanding her as a trickster goddess, I think is a, is a big thing for me. I'm going to be playing with that. Um, but just because I lack those glasses doesn't mean that there is anything in, you know, Joshua's read that is, that is wrong or whatever. And I just it's like urge everybody listening to don't allow anybody to taste shame you because if they do that they're doing that from their own space of insecurity um, and love what you love enjoy what you love there's a reason why you were born with those particular 3d glasses and that means that you get to take joy in something that other people don't get and that makes you special so absolutely like I just want to take another opportunity to talk about that because that is honestly like the one of the biggest things that I believe in is that every story has value if you love it you love it for a reason and you don't have to justify that at all so um, I just want to say that as I've I've spent five uh, you know episodes kind of taking down Trish Walker so <laughs> don't you dare you get that ma- name out of your mouth Trish Walker <laughs> Not in these five issues, excuse me very much. It is Patsy. It is Patsy. I am very sorry for misidentifying. If you could see the light in Joshua's eyes when I said Trish Walker, mm, it just, mm. yeah, so, yeah. That's yeah, my brother sister energy it. coming out. Yeah. You know, hate I can to just, see. I it. know what buttons to push, man. I, I, will, I was not a fan of that character on that television show. Yeah, no, me either. Me either. Oh, we have so many episodes of my mixed feelings <laughs> about Trish in Listen Up A Hole. <laughs> nice. All right, so now we are in the final block of the show, my favorite block of the show, where we talk about our favorite art. Uh, Jean, as our guest, why don't you lead us off with what your favorite art was in this uh, issue? My favorite art, um, uh, I will just uh, I will just say I am always a sucker for overly detailed images with mm-hmm. lots of unnecessary details, like <laughs> a tiny bunny falling out of a car saying, My destiny! <laughs> 
<laughs> the one that was uh, reading a book, the one that was sipping the coffee. Oh my god, I, I love that. Yeah. That that it's that it's I, it's the title page actually. Yeah. Uh, the mm-hmm. full page of all of them hanging out of the back of this car, <laughs> and and I I think I I don't even know how long I looked at it, but I looked at every little detail, and it's just mm-hmm. like that's comics. I love when comics are able to you know, tell you the story, but also while they're doing it, they're like, oh, and while you're at it, look over here and take a look at this. And it, that page just was everything to me. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I'll piggyback on that because that's also my favorite piece of art in this. <laughs> nice. And it's for very similar reasons. Like, uh, first of all, it's just a fun page. Like, there's just a lot going on, but it shows something that I think, yeah, comics are capable of doing that other mediums would struggle with Mm -hmm. so like uh, a novel would take like 70 pages or whatever to tell everything that was going on that page and you would be bored through most of it because it's not strictly necessary you know a movie or tv show would go by so quickly you wouldn't be able to pick it up or alternately because you get some of these every now and then like these slow-mo shot you know uh but then they have to pick some music to Yeah, yeah, it really can. It can, you know, um, but that's the only way they can do it is slow it way down and pick some dramatic music to go over it so you can see everything. But even then, it's taking up more real estate. It's still taking up. It can be a minute of story time and wind up being five minutes of movie time. Yeah. But the but the one page of story time in a comic is always one page of story time. You can spend a lot more time with it. Mm-hmm. And you're welcome to, but it doesn't take up any more of those 22 pages. It's still only just the one page. Um, hell of a trick. Uh, and, and I don't, it's not technically the gutter, but we've talked about how the way the gutter is used can control the pace of a story. So in that way, I feel like this isn't a gutter trick because it's one page. There's no gutter, but it's a next door neighbor. And I just appreciate the hell right out of it. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It's you can decide the pace that this story goes at by deciding the pace of your read and being able to pick out those little details. Like I have to say, I forgot to write it down in my notes, but I loved those little bunnies because we saw them in a couple of pages (laughs) and there was the, you know, the, the drink and the coffee. And I was like, okay, this, this bunny that has been used as a road that is smashed into everything is now just drinking coffee and falling to the ground. I'm like, this just is not my destiny. The, the, right. The way this, <laughs> the way this world works is not something that I have cracked or understood yet, but I absolutely love it. Um, For me, I got to say it's the page where the princess calls the crows in. Like oh. I love the movement on the page. I love again, the angles of the panels, the way that that's one of those pages that I was talking about where the energy just explodes and the color palette changes and we're in greens and blues and all of that contrasting with the pink shock of hair, which by the way, freaking love that. I've done that hairstyle before and I love it. Um, so like there's so much energy and, and stuff happening there. And I have to say like, maybe part of it is that like the, the princess sort of owns that page and the princess is my girl mm-hmm. in this, mm-hmm. in this episode or in this series. So yeah. um, so I really, really enjoyed that. All right. So now we'll talk about the uh, favorite story part of this issue. And Jean, what did you think about that? What was your favorite story moment? Okay. So let me preface again <laughs> by saying, <laughs> uh, you know, comic books as a medium, uh, story d- is not always dictated by words. So yes. my, my yeah. favorite story part 
um also kind of ties into my favorite art a little bit yeah and mm-hmm. it's the bunny tires which i didn't notice <laughs> the first time i read through it but um on my third read through um as i'm like kind of dissecting the end of this story i realize like oh the dad is no longer a giant mayan calendar um, he's mm-hmm. a human. They don't have a tire anymore. And then you just notice over two pages, all of the bunnies like running towards the car and just kind of spinning themselves up and balling up. <laughs> and they become the spare tire of the oh car for the end of this story. And that like, as, I soon as I saw that. that, I was like, this is my favorite part of the whole story. <laughs> I love that so much, and I'm so mad at myself for missing that, but thank you for pointing that out. I'll go back and take a look at that. It's beautiful. It's very enjoyable. (laughs) That's what it is with comic books. There's so much. It is nutrient-dense storytelling. Absolutely. Joshua, what about you? What's your favorite uh, story beat? Uh, For me, it's when Pete and the princess are hugging goodbye, and Pete says, it's Mm -hmm. going to be okay. And the princess Mm -hmm. says, all of a sudden, it doesn't feel that way. And Pete responds with, it will. You will see. It already is. Ooh, that's good stuff. That's... Like, let's just have a little human moment while we reckon with how difficult it can be to finally get the change that you actually want. You <laughs> know it's the right thing, but suddenly it's different and you're adrift and mm-hmm. maybe you're afraid to make the change, but it's going to be okay. In fact, it already is. And that is a shout out for Pete. I have a moment. This is your Stoic Philosophy Corner. Pete has stumbled <laughs> into Stoic Philosophy right there. I learned a new word uh, that ties into this. The new word is pronoia. It is the opposite of paranoia. Okay, so mm-hmm. paranoia is a fear that there is that the world is in conspiracy to do you harm. Pronoia is the belief that the world is in conspiracy to do you good. Oh. And at the end of the day, the difference between those two things is how you choose to look at it. I love that word. (laughs) James, thanks for the word, James. I know you're listening. Appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. Yeah. I have a quick honorable mention. That's a powerful moment. What though? I'm still processing paranoia. You got to give me a second here. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, The honorable mention. Kind of ties into that. I, I yes, feel. yes, like, yes, go. No, uh, we'll uh, mm-hmm. Just, just because, um, like that's my legit favorite moment. But I, but I feel that it lands even harder for me because earlier the princess has a moment and she says more or less to nobody in particular, like people are around, mm-hmm. but she's not really talking to anybody but herself. I just want to be myself. I want to stop walking into the wind. Yeah. And, and so oh, yeah. that hit, but then. Because I know how badly she wants this and how tired she is of the other option. But then she finally gets it and she's like, oh, no, not like this. And that's just an extremely (laughs) human moment. Brings it right back around to it. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. I absolutely love all of that. I have to say that, like, for me, my favorite moment is, again, it comes down to Pete. Like, ever since Pete stepped into this story, he's been my guy. Love like, I, just, I absolutely love him. <laughs> I love him staying behind. I love the way that he comforts the princess. I love the way that he is the, like, emotional anchor 
for everything that's happening. Like it is insanity around him. And he is like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be balanced. I'm going to provide balance for everybody else. And, you know, he's there and he's like, well, you know, my, my pirate ship has been destroyed. So I think I'll just <laughs> hang out here with you guys and help fix things up and, and give you guys balance and all of that stuff. And I feel like the, the effect of Pete on the people around him, the calming effect that he has throughout this, the faith that he has that everything is going to be okay. Um, a lot of this, like, arc feels like a fever dream and he feels like the part of it that's like there's something to learn here there's something to gain from this look at what you can gain and I'll just be here fixing shit up while you're doing that you know um and just like Pete has been has been the thing that I have have clung on to because I love him so much and so to see that happening at the end where he is again fulfilling his very quiet very purposeful destiny of being the dude everywhere, you know, in every situation. <laughs> I just, I loved it. To uh, throw a bean into the bag <laughs> that, uh, that Josh has been throwing in to get you to love Patsy, <laughs> that a lot of that arc for Pete is unlocked by the crazy chaotic Patsy energy of her, like kind of forcing him to like get in touch with his magic like maybe not mm -hmm. in the uh most elegant or polite ways but it's like the two major instances where she's like you can totally do this dude like turn him back into mm -hmm. a man and also sorry about this but i'm gonna fastball special you into all these <laughs> birds and make you like swallow them so we don't die and, and once he like kind of gets in touch with his magic and I feel like that's when he's like, oh, I can, don't worry, I got this. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe you need Patsy energy to unlock Pete energy and that these are the things that's very interesting because Pete is an opposite kind of reflection of Patsy, yeah. you know, where she is frenetic, he is calm, you know, um, all of that. Um, and yeah, maybe you don't get Pete without Patsy. So I like, I actually feel like talking about this with Joshua and today with you has opened up. I think, I think I'm getting closer to assembling my Patsy glasses. I think <laughs> I'm getting to the point where I can start to, to appreciate all of that. All right, so Jean, um, Mega Brain Comics, Rhinebeck, New York, one of my favorite places. I absolutely love Rhinebeck. So I was so excited when I heard about your store. A very lovely uh, but tell place. us, yeah, tell us where where people can find you online and in the real world. Uh, in the real world, if you uh, happen to be traveling through uh, Dutchess County, New York, which is about mm -hmm. uh, an hour and a half north of Manhattan. Um, you can find me at my shop, Mega Brain Comics, which is on 15 East Market Street in Rhinebeck. Mm -hmm. But if you can't make it to New York, you can also go and shop at megabraincomics.com. All of our comics are on there. We've got um, uh, a lot of D&D stuff, vinyl records, Funko Pops. Um, and when it comes to the comics itself... Um, I I kind of curated the site and and our store so that you can shop it in a way that's um, more uh, custom to whoever's doing it. So mm -hmm. we have an LGBTQ plus story section uh, and uh, a BIPOC comic section. 
We have um, an all ages section, things like that. We have vintage comics and new comics. So like it's my philosophy of there's literally a comic book out there for everybody. So I try to make it as simple as possible for people to find what that comic is for them. Um, so, so yeah, those are both, you know, in either in the ether, you can visit my shop or in person. Oh, and you can also find us on like the big three of social media, just by looking at, uh, up at mega brain comics. But, uh, since we were talking about Patsy and Hellcat, uh, I thought that it would behoove me to plug, the new Hellcat miniseries that's coming out uh, on, I believe it's March, uh, March 15th. So it's a, it's a five issue miniseries. It's written by Christopher Cantwell and the interior art is by Alex Linz. And uh, I'll just read the, the basic Marvel Penguin Random House uh, summary. Leaping from the pages of Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man run. Hellcat is back. Patsy is back on the West Coast, living in a demon house haunted by the ghost of her mother. When someone close to Patsy's inner circle is murdered, Hellcat becomes the prime suspect. Now, Patsy must prove her innocence and evade both the police and the supernatural sleepwalkers. To add to the perils she faces, her demonic ex, Damon Hellstrom, shows up and that's never a good thing. A super a supernatural superhero murder mystery. Okay, hold the hell on. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the second season of my pitch for a Patsy Walker TV show. <laughs> what? I've had a pitch for a Patsy Walker Hellcat show in my back pockets forever, and that could literally be the second season. Couldn't be the first season because we got to set some stuff up, but damn. <laughs> well, I think that sounds really, really cool. I'm very excited to read that uh, miniseries. That's exciting. March 15th, issue one hits the, uh, the shelves and the racks. I love it. I love Done. it. All right. Go to makeabraincomics.com <laughs> and get your copy. That's amazing. You can also <laughs> sign up for a poll list online also, and we ship mm-hmm. anywhere in North America. So you don't even have to come to the shop to pick it up. We'll send it right to you. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I'm very excited about that. I, I think we need to read that one, Josh. I think we should read it together <laughs> for season three. I of, feel, uh, I feel like that's you should totally yeah. do that because maybe this mm-hmm. will be that like kind of keystone, Lonnie, that, you know, yeah. kind of brings you around. And then uh, and then all will be right and in the, the house. The thing that I need. It's just the thing that I need <laughs> to finish off those Patsy Walker glasses. <laughs> exactly. But next week, we'll be back with JLA number five, Woman of Tomorrow, in which the League holds a membership drive and we all experience the tragedy of Tomorrow Woman. Until then, don't worry. That bear's got more lives than a plastic bag stuck off the coast of Hawaii. Thanks for listening to In the Gutter with Joshua Anru and Lonnie Diane Rich. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider talking about it with your friends, leaving a review somewhere, or supporting Chipperish Media, patreon.com slash chipperish.